0: The value of the regular cadence of updates, the consistent metrics, is that it enables us as investors to create lines, not dots, and information in our head about those companies without having to get on a call with the company and having them walk through nine months of financials or six months of progress. When you get a monthly update, you can go, okay, I know where this company is.
1: That's Ari Newman, who is a partner at Techstars based in the greater Denver area and one of two guests on this very special episode of Powder Keg Igniting Startups. I'm your host, Matt Hunkler, and joining Ari and me for today's special episode is Mike Pruce, co-founder and CEO of Chicago-based Visible, which is a SaaS platform that helps founders engage investors with automatic data-driven investor updates. Together, we're going to talk about the what, why, and how of investor updates. This is something we know a lot of entrepreneurs need help with. And it's important for a lot of reasons, from maintaining trust with your investors to making sure you're focused on the right metrics to grow your business faster. As always, we record all of our podcasts from Facebook live streams. So if you like what you hear today, follow us on Facebook to be among the first to hear every episode and to be able to tune in live and ask your own questions of some of the guests we have here on Powerkeg Igniting Startups. Now, let's get started with today's episode. Hey, welcome to another episode of Powderkeg Igniting Startups Live. Uh, We're doing this on Facebook Live, so feel free to chime in with questions. Uh, We will send both of our guests today a link to the entire live stream, uh, and they might be able to chime in on some of your questions. We have an awesome uh, couple of guests here today, Uh, maybe even a fourth guest with the dog in the background there. Uh, We like to keep things pretty lively here. Uh, I am your host, Matt Hunkler, uh, CEO and founder of Powderkeg. Um, we, you can find everything here at PowderKeg.com, but I want to dive right into it today because we have two amazing guests. Our first guest is uh, from as a partner at TechStars Venture, uh, TechStars Ventures. He received his uh, um, degree in business and marketing from the University of Colorado in 1996. Uh, has a ton of experience working with internet applications, enterprise software, service delivery, customer service, social web platforms, SaaS. I mean, there's nothing this guy can't do. Uh, over 12 years of experience in developing and delivering high-tech solutions. You know, either starting as a co-founder, acting uh, uh, as a co-founder in the company, or later after uh, the acquisition. Uh, please help me welcome to the show, Mr. Ari Newman, a partner at TechStars. Ari, thanks for being here today, man. Good to be here. Yeah, good to have you. And then our other guest, uh, longtime friend. I met him when he was still in college. Uh, We met at a bar down at Indiana University and have stayed in touch ever since. Uh, He's been entrepreneurial since he was a kid uh, himself, uh, as our other guest was as well. Uh, He is now the CEO of Visible, Uh, Which is a reporting platform used by over 2,000 businesses keeping all team members investors and stakeholders engaged through beautiful reports Uh, We are a user at powder keg although I I would have to say we are not a power user So I might try to get some tips here on the second half of the show. We're gonna have Ari for the first uh, 10 15 minutes and then we're going to jump to the final 10 15 minutes uh, with Mike Um, But we have all three guests for these first 10 15 minutes. So first of all I want to say thank you guys both for being here Uh, Mike where are you tuning in from today? I am in Chicago. Awesome, man. Good to have you from Chicago. And then uh, Ari, are you you in Colorado? I am. Awesome, man. Well, hey, uh, Ari, I wanted to uh, get a little bit more context um, from you about what you're doing now at Techstars, because you were part of the first class of Techstars uh, in 2007 uh, and are now back engaged with uh, Techstars for the last several years. Uh, What are you focused on primarily today?
0: Yeah, uh, that's right. I was in the first uh, Techstars class in 7 and uh, I've been working at Techstars since 2012. Uh, and I'm focused on investing in early stage companies, so Seed and Series A investing and Techstars alumni.
1: Awesome, man. Well, we're excited to have you here today. I- I'd love to dive right into what you're doing right now uh, with Seed and Series A investing. I know you probably see uh, a lot of pitches. How many pitches would you say you see a year?
0: Well, it, it varies. Uh, but if you, you know, TechStars is graduating a couple hundred companies a year through our accelerators. And so we, as an investing team, uh, you know, spend time with, with all of them, um, from, you know, from the early, early onset of the process through their, uh, sort of post-program growth. So, uh, you know, over the course, over the course of a year, we would look at a couple hundred companies and support those. Um, and then our, portfolio uh, of seed investments that we've made across the last two funds. I think we have 190 seed investments and almost 20 series A's at this point.
1: Oh my gosh. So you've seen a lot of good pitches.
0: Yeah. And I've seen, I've seen a lot of pitches, good, bad, and, and otherwise. And, uh, you know, um, just like humans, every company is different.
1: Can you, can you tell me a little bit about, um, the pitches that are maybe not so good? Because I think a lot of times that's where you can learn the most. I, you know, I heard uh, another one of your podcasts and you said sometimes failures is where you can find the most uh, learning. Um, sure. What are some of the biggest pitching fails that you've seen?
0: You know, that's a great question. I think that it's hard It's hard to sort of give you a one-line answer to that. I would say that like the greatest pitch fails are uh, pitches that don't quickly and effectively convey the you know the big thing that the company is doing to get stuck in the weeds quickly or talk about features or talk about mechanics and don't talk about the why or the value or how the world changes if this product becomes successful and i think i think keeping the uh narrative across the the front end of the pitch is really important
1: so i'm a bit i'm a big fan of pitches that you know sort of
0: tee up the why this company is talking and then explain how it's going to all come together. Um, I'm also like a big sort of pitch fail thing is too much content on every slide. Mm -hmm. So I talk to a lot of companies about there's only one key message per slide. You can't deliver too many messages per slide. And so, you know, if you see something where it's like tons of text and the speaker is basically talking, you know, like reading you the slide and there's like they're they're trying to boil the ocean on every single slide. You get lost, you get distracted, you get bored, and the next thing you know, you're checking your phone, it's done.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, attention is huge. Uh, That's a really great point. Um, You know, I know a lot of companies, uh, when they go into the fundraising process, don't have everything put together, and Mike and I uh, were talking just before the call here, and Mike, maybe you could provide some more context to this, um, about company hygiene, meaning just like having some of those core features in place Uh, maybe not features but core uh, functions of the business like accounting insurance uh making sure you've got your business house in order can can you talk to me a little bit more about um, some of what you've seen working with those 2000 plus companies that are on the visible platform
2: yeah absolutely um this is kind of i don't want to steal ari's thunder because he we we chatted actually before the the phone call uh but I've, i've known ari now for for about four years helping uh, tech stars companies report data, uh, effectively back to their investors. And, uh, one of the things that we've seen in the data invisible, and I think, you know, Ari is probably seen as an investor, I'll let him speak to this more specifically, but, uh, companies that have a regular cadence of how they're, uh, sharing information with stakeholders and reporting to them and in, in a regular manner, uh, typically will, um, be more successful in the long run, right? Whether that's, um, correlation or causation. I think that's up for argument, but you could argue that companies that have, uh, a really good, I love that was RG, uh, Ari's uh, around. Um, you know, kind of this, this company back office hygiene around, do you have the right, uh, practices in place for accounting, uh, your insurance, your payroll, HR, uh, investor reporting, cause those are all really important things that could be really expensive, uh, to fix or even detrimental to the business, uh, in the long run.
1: Ari, when you when you're hearing uh, from these companies uh, and looking at sort of like their their back office, their communication uh, and communicating those key points and factors of the business, uh, what's the right cadence? I mean, I'm assuming investors don't want to be bothered, you know, daily or, uh, you know, maybe even not weekly. But um, could you maybe give me a little more context there?
0: Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot there. I I, ultimately,
1: I think monthly updates are great monthly Uh, updates. Yeah, and and as companies get bigger, and information
0: becomes more sensitive, and the business is more complicated, um, you see a lot of companies that that get to growth stage. You know, it'll it'll end up at series like series C, series D companies that cadence will slow down to like quarterly updates or what have you.
1: What do you want to see in a monthly update? Like
0: this? in an early stage company, seed or series A company, you would you would want to see monthly financial performance, the expense line, core metrics for the business, you know, the, the basics.
1: Just the metrics or are you wanting some context with that as well?
0: Uh, uh, great question, yes, of course the context. Like, there's, al- there's always the narrative. Mm-hmm. Here's, like, the thing that I want to hear is, how's it really going? Yeah. Right, like, be what's, what's really going on? Because num- you could have had a great month numbers-wise, but your co-founder could have just quit and your largest account is gonna churn the next month. Right? And, you know, or the numbers say you had an okay month, but you actually just shipped your most important feature set ever, and it's gonna unlock tons of new revenue. Like, of course I want the narrative on top of the metrics, right? So like a great great update on a monthly basis is, here's what we said we were gonna do, Here's what we did, here's the good, bad, and ugly, and here are the numbers.
1: In terms of some of the ones that you've seen, uh, is there one that you can maybe point out too that was really well executed? Um, you, don't have, you wouldn't have to read us the report, but like, what made it really good or stand out to you as a good company update?
0: It's the, the company update structure that I like. That it's hard because I see so many of them, but like that structure of some narrative at the top and then core metrics. Yep. Uh, and then the key with the metrics is not the me- is is never deliver metrics in isolation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like when when a company sends out an update and says we had a great month, and then here's our numbers for the month, without the context of what the plan for the month was, so plan versus actual, or what you did the previous month compared to this month that data becomes a lot less easy to parse or, or less meaningful to me when I'm skimming through updates. Yep. Right? Um, and, I, and I think that sort of like transparency and self-accountability of a company saying, here's what we said we were going to do and here's what we did. Mm-hmm. It's great. Whether the numbers are up or down doesn't matter. It's the fact that you're consistently reporting them.
1: Out of how many uh, updates are usually the metrics like right on where where they wanted to be in terms of um, early stage when, when you're talking like seed pre-series, a, um, I mean,
0: you, you already know the answer to that, right? It's <laughs> almost, <done>. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a
2: question for Ari. Yeah. Um, not to hijack it. No, yeah, but, um, go for it. Ari, right, Do you guys follow on with future rounds out of the tech stars fund? Yes. yes. And how much does like the, the previous. Investor cadence and, and updates that you receive. How much does that factor into if you decide to follow on with the
0: company or not? That's a great question. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of answer your question, but I'm also gonna pile on. Sure. <laughs> so, go. Yeah. Please. Yeah. So. So yeah. So we yes when we when we make an investment at uh, Techstars first makes an investment when a company comes through an accelerator then like what, what our group does is put a little bit of extra capital into some of the companies at seed stage, and then very, very selectively, you know, more capital at series A. Inevitably there are, you know, follow on second seed, third seed, A, A prime, a you know, bridge to the B, like there, there's always the next round. So regardless of what you call it, there's always the next round. And uh, to partly answer your question, the the value of the regular cadence of updates, the consistent metrics, is that it enables us as investors to create lines, not dots, and information in our head about those companies without having to get on a call with the company and having them walk through nine months of financials or six months of of progress. When you get a monthly update, you can go, okay, I know where this company is and you get it the next month and you know where it is. And mentally you create these lines in your mind about the company's trajectory or how they've been solving problems or what the growth curve looks like. And so that, that consistent engagement is super, super helpful. So when the email does come in, Hey, we're raising X Y Z. Like we already have context and we have history. Yep.
1: How often, or I guess, how much time are you spending reading through those investor updates? Because I imagine at this point, you know, you're involved in investing in so many companies, you probably are getting at least one a day, if not more. Uh, Mm -hmm. how much time are you spending on each one individually?
0: I don't know the answer to that. It's no more than a couple of minutes each.
1: Sure. I think that's helpful to understand just in terms of like how to structure that update, because if you're only spending a couple minutes.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and maybe that's good, you know, good advice for people is realize that we're only going to be spending a few minutes. To, well, and every investor is different. I can't speak for anyone else, but for us, given our volume, and the number of companies, like for me, it's a couple of minutes. Yeah. And so, it, you know, as an entrepreneur, like don't spend two hours writing your monthly update it's it's get the key points across right and and that's why you know uh we're on we're sitting here talking to mike at Visible, like automating this making it easy making it consistent right even if i was was gone like totally crushed for two months and didn't read your updates if i know i have a call coming up with a company i can go back into my email folder and read those updates quickly and then i have that um quick historical context. And when the formatting is roughly the same every time, it's pretty easy to get through.
1: Yeah, that's a really great point. Um, and we'll, we'll dive in a little deeper on sort of some of that formatting that visible, I mean, working with 2000 companies uh, has that perspective on how to format that in the most effective way. Um, but before we let you go, Ari, can you tell us a little bit about uh, the Techstars program. Obviously, um, people that are listening, very technical, they've heard of TechStars, uh, but maybe they haven't gone through the program or they don't understand how to engage. Um, what all right now are you focused on with that program?
0: Sure. Well, t- you know, TechStars is a worldwide network that helps entrepreneurs succeed. We run accelerator programs that help companies get started uh, and grow quickly all over the planet. And so Uh, I'm involved in those programs as a mentor or advisor or just getting to know the companies and trying to be helpful with strategy or fundraising. And, you know, we're a very small, our fund is a very small percentage of the overall capital that um, is deployed across the Techstars ecosystem. So really, it's just about engagement and trying to be helpful. And we Occasionally, we'll put a little bit of extra capital into a few of the companies. But if you go to techstars.com slash stats, you can see the size of the network and the amount of money that folks have raised. Um, you know, in aggregate, it's in the billions now. And we're, um, you know, we're, we're just huge fans of the alumni companies and here to support them.
1: That's really awesome. And it's it's across the, the country, right? Or, or even worldwide at this point?
0: Yeah, it's, it's global, absolutely. Yeah. We, we run accelerators in the continental United States, Canada, um, you know, Northern Europe, we've got stuff going in Asia pack as well. It's, uh, it's very broad at this point. I think we're, um, around 30 programs globally.
1: That's awesome. Well, I appreciate you sharing some of your perspective, uh, from working with tech stars, Ari, and I know you had 12 years in the trenches. I wish we could go through your entire bio because I'm sure there are a lot of lessons, uh, learned there, but, uh, could you maybe share like one lesson, uh, before you hop off here and, and we dive into a conversation with Mike um, one of your biggest lessons in that, those 12 years, it, it doesn't have to be, um, the biggest ever, but, um, one that kind of stands out to you, just first one that comes to your mind.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, interesting. So it, not a specific lesson, but I like, like as a particular issue, but probably in the macro, you know, it was actually my father-in-law that said to me when I started uh, my last company, like, you know, something to the, something to the effect of you're going to screw up a lot of things. <laughs> and at the time it totally petrified me. It was like, what do you mean I'm going to screw up a lot of things? No, no. And, um, that would, became like a fundamental truth. Like part of the entrepreneurial journey is making mistakes, breaking things, trusting your instincts, your instincts sometimes are wrong and that's okay. And like the allowing, allowing yourself to not be perfect, allowing those mistakes to happen Uh, and moving past them and learning from them, you know, was, is probably the biggest takeaway of everything. Um, I, I tend to be, you know, a perfectionist or want everything to be precise and letting go of that and accepting that I was going to screw things up and make mistakes, um, along the way, while I was trying to build a business was really powerful. And it turns out to be super true as an investor. I screw stuff up almost every day.
1: Well, it's it's really refreshing to hear uh, that level of transparency and uh, the, the advice that I'm sure comes with lots of uh, scars and bumps and bruises from all the entrepreneurial battles that you've been in. Well, Ari, thank you so much for being here today. What, if people want to find you, what's the best social platform to find you on and what's your handle there? Sure, probably just LinkedIn, Ari.Newman um, uh, or uh, Twitter at Ari Newman, all one word. Awesome, man. Well, we're going to dive into some conversation uh, with Mike at Visible, learn a little bit more about how they're growing that platform. But thanks for hopping on in the first part of this conversation and uh, hope to talk to you again soon.
0: You bet. Great to join you guys. See you later. Thanks, Thanks,
1: Ari. Bye. Mike, don't go anywhere. Um, I would love, I would love, love, love uh, to talk a little bit about your journey. We couldn't dive into all 12 years of Ari's journey, but I was wondering if maybe you could uh, give me a little bit of context of how you got into this entrepreneurial game and and take it, take it all the way back to like when you were a kid, your first entrepreneurial venture. When did you get the, uh, get the bug?
2: Yeah. Um, I think it probably started in middle school, kind of early high school. Uh, my dad was a teacher for for 32 years, and back, you know, this would have been, you know, in the 90s. Uh, really, educators are the only ones that had a Mac, and so he would bring a Mac home and had really cool apps on there, like you know, iMovie and and photos and other things you could do. And I started messing around with creating videos. And my dad was a, a cross country and, and track coach, and I ended up making uh, highlight videos for the team. And through that, um, you know, kind of learn a lot of fun things, but like, Hey, I could actually build a business out of just like software and my own creativity and not even have to, you know, buy something and then, and resell it at a higher level, but I could create something of, of real value. So that was kind of my A was, uh, making highlight videos. So, you know, cross country teams, uh, kids from my high school that want to get recruited for particular sports. I would throw together a highlight reel for them. And, you know, it was a great business model, right? Because you would charge a a flat fee to make the video. And then every DVD you pressed, uh, you would make some money as well. So that was my uh, kind of initial foray into that. And then that really segmented towards college because when I was uh, growing up in the suburbs of Chicago, I was looking at a lot of the schools in the Midwest. And uh, Indiana really stuck out to me because they had this entrepreneurship program. And I was really intrigued by that. And it was one of the top rated ones. And uh, ended up joining uh, that program in the Kelley School of Business and kind of like changed my life in terms of the trajectory that I've I've had so far.
1: Tell me a little bit about the entrepreneurial program because I I went through the program at IU. Uh, I I didn't fully invest uh, my time and energy into it because I was off starting a company um, so I'm curious what I missed. What did you get? What did you get out of the entrepreneur program at Indiana you know, university?
2: Yeah. It, it's funny. Cause it's like, how do you study entrepreneurship without starting a company is kind of like my whole point. So I think like there are certain things I would change, but I think it's just that, that mindset of learning from, uh, previous companies that have been started or entrepreneurs ranging from, uh, you know, they they're just like really interesting, uh, things were like, for instance, the high, uh, there's a company that was huge, right. That only made uh the cap the metal cap for Heinz ketchup right and that's like how they made their business but eventually Heinz switched from uh the glass bottle right with the cap to plastic bottle and and totally screwed that company right they went out of business because they didn't innovate and they weren't really working with that partner to figure it out so it was like interesting interesting case studies and things you learn along the way of like um kind of what past failure looks like or or success um they had, I believe his name is Herb Kelleher, the CEO of uh, Southwest come in, right? Like that's an incredible experience. So they, they pull in all these really inspirational folks uh, to that school. Uh, and then it, it just gets your like mind thinking in that direction too. Like, all right, how do I start a business? Uh, what kind of capital do I need? Who do I need to hire? What's our go-to-market strategy? Uh, so it, it, was, it was cool in the sense that it really got you thinking in a little bit of a different way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I imagine you hear a lot of those same case studies now working with 2000 companies, uh, more than 2000 companies as visible customers, um, anything you've learned, you know, just track. I know you're not like in everyone's data following their data, but I'm sure you hear a lot of the lessons learned.
2: Yeah. I mean, not to like oversell visible versus another solution or or whatever, but I think the one thing that we've learned is just that like kind of share early and share often. Mm. Uh so share. Tell, me, tell me what you like, mean by that. Yeah. So uh I think a, a couple of things that we've just seen ourselves and, and through our customers is uh, you know, if you have a regular cadence that you're sharing with investors or your own team or uh, you know, people you trust, advisors, etc., uh you're gonna get feedback very quickly back into that. Uh so you can improve and and grow and get better. And you're also um, gonna make sure that everyone's on the same page. There should never be a really a surprise uh, at a board meeting or at an all hands company meeting, right? Because yeah. everyone should really know what's going on prior to that meeting. Uh, so there, there should never be a surprise when you get a group of, of people together in a room if you're communicating with them on a, on a regular basis.
1: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, well, tell me a little bit about the idea behind Visible. Um, you know, I know you came out of college, uh, entered the ORA Fellowship Program, which is how yep. we, we met. Um, how did you end up working on uh, this opportunity at Visible?
2: Yeah, so uh, I was living in the Bay Area at the time, and Christian Anderson and Mike Fitzgerald uh, reached out to me with Brad Whistler, and they said, hey, we have this idea uh, for a way to really change how uh, venture capitalists and early stage investors gather data from their portfolio companies.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so they felt the same pain point that Ari felt, right? Uh, which is like, I need to know what's going on with our companies. I want to make sure I can help them, make sure they're successful. have a better chance of succeeding. Uh, and I just want to make that as frictionless as possible. So that's how we really, that was like the impetus for the idea and, and the original uh, application that we prototyped and built was to help, accelerators and uh, VCs and early stage investors uh, gather and get that data from their portfolio companies. And once we put that product in market and and had people buying it and using it, kind of the one thing we really saw was this is more of a, a problem for companies really than, than investors, right? We were selling it to investors who would distribute it to their portfolio companies, which sounds great. Uh, but what really ends up happening is it's a, it's the company that really needs to be able to, uh, want to do this and, uh, has to do it right. You can't really force someone to, to do this. It's like, um, it's like going to the gym, right? Everyone knows you should go to the gym and, and work out and be healthy. Uh, but really, that, that that happens. So how can we bring uh, and, and help change behavior a little bit? And so that's when we really pivoted the business in terms of like a go-to-market strategy and said, hey, our real customers should be companies. This is a problem that they have. And let's focus on them being the most important thing to us is, is companies. And investors are, are great. They'll help distribute, you know, the word of visible and, and talk to people about it. But really, they're just a, a, a getting the information and in, in viewers, right. They're not going to be the primary customer of, of our business anymore.
1: Oh, tell me about, about that pivot. What was the hardest part of pulling that off?
2: Um, that's a good question. I think that's kind of one of the big things is like, we probably should have done it earlier. Like that's like my one big kind of takeaway. I think in, in terms of starting a company is just like trust your gut a lot faster, uh, than you have before. Cause usually your gut's right. And you don't want to put off a big decision. So I think it's, it's trusting your gut early. And then part of that is, and I guess in going back to your question is, um, the hardest part is just like the mind shifts, right? Yep. And it's really just a bandaid you have to rip off and do. Because I think we're we were kind of in this like no man's land for a little bit where VCs would still sign up. And it's like, hey, I want to pay you. I want to pay you. I want to use your products. And we're like, yeah, revenue is great. Uh, but it's it's not what we're really focused on anymore. So it's like, do you take that, do you bring that customer on knowing that they're probably going to churn in, you know, nine months? Uh, or do you do you solely focus on on your new driving initiative? So I think the, the hardest thing is just the mind shift and, and really the focus on what you believe the new business is going to be and not worrying about the old one.
1: Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, and when are you usually like engaging with companies? Like when do they, when should they be thinking about a solution like Visible to help? share their you know metrics uh, yeah from all aspects of the business
2: i would say you know that's, that's a great question i would say most of our companies once they get to around like 10 employees is a good time for them mm. to uh, adopt a tool like visible that helps get all of your key data in one place helps you uh create really beautiful reports that you can send out and track and and, and do all that i don't think you really need to use visible uh prior to that i think and you don't, certainly don't have to use Visible when you're, you're 10 or more. I think really the, the thing is that you should just uh, kind of do it and share, right? It's whether you're using Visible or just uh, a plain text email, uh, your stakeholders want to hear from you, good or bad. Yep. I think the, the one thing that we uh, have learned and, and, and just kind of seen is um, people are scared to share when something's not going right. Uh, you know, if something's going wrong, that's really scary to share with people that have given you money Mm -hmm. and to uh, share that with them. That's exactly what you should be doing because uh, as you just heard Ari say, like things go wrong all of the time. Uh, Investors see this all of the time and they're really there to help kind of, like help you navigate that and and fix the problem uh, before it becomes something bigger. And usually what happens is someone goes silent for nine months and then they have a huge problem and they can't be fixed. Uh, So that's like the one thing we've seen is like, you, you kind of have to get out of your mindset of like your view of the world is just you and the company. Mm-hmm. And you're like, man, this is freaking hard. Uh, and you're, you're scared to kind of open up and, and share that with people that have given you money or, or, our uh, mentors but uh, versus like an investor who sees this, you know, Ari 150 companies, uh, how many of those, you know, you could argue a third of those are, are, you know, treading water at this point, a third are, are growing. And then uh, another third are on a, uh, you know, a nice trajectory, but they see it all day, every day.
1: That makes a lot of sense in terms of like making that mental shift. Is that something that you always did yourself? You know, cause you are a startup founder yourself. You've been through that startup, uh, pivot. I'm sure you've run into issues along the way and we don't have yeah. to get into specifics, but, um, unless you want to, uh, but <laughs> if, 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 um, you know, have you adopted that mindset and what was the hardest part about adopting that mindset?
2: We have, you know, I think just by the nature of the the company that we built and, and wanted to build, we've been very transparent with everyone that works at visible, everyone that's invested in the company, uh, everyone that's part of the ride mm-hmm. uh, because uh, I mean, w- yeah, that's just our product. And I guess in adopting the mindset, it's scary, but then I think what you'll find is it's incredibly refreshing and, that you'll get a lot of help and people rallying behind you like, Hey, um, you know, I really need a, a peer in the business, right? That, that was like one thing that, um, that, that, I'm going through right now is like, Hey, I need another leader in the business to, to come and help take some of this weight and, and own certain parts of the business. And that's kind of hard to admit, but then what you get in return are all of your different, uh, board members, investors, and team members like, Hey, I know this person. I know this person. What is that ideal person you're looking for? Let's sit down and talk about it. I think what you get is so much value from opening up and and saying where you need help, uh, that it's, it's, it's really refreshing.
1: I, I really appreciate hearing that because I think that's something I'm still working on mentally adjusting is, is, is making sure that, um, you know, even transparently internally, um, we've my business partners really helped me in a lot of ways with kind of that, like these are the metrics we've got to publish the metrics, make sure everyone on the team understands how they all correlate. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, having, we're almost like creating that like open book, um, management style, um, yeah. and using a tool, using tools like visible, I'm sure would help. Um, so as a recent uh, subscriber to visible, but someone who has Appreciate not fu- fully a- adopted it, um, what, what do I need to be doing? Like, how long should I expect it to take for me to set up my entire visible, uh, profile?
2: Yeah. Uh, so the, first of all, thanks for being uh, a customer. Much, much it. Of course, man. Uh, thanks for
1: the recommendation.
2: We, we think most people, um, or we see most people depending on, on, you know, how much you really invest can get set up in, in, you know, five to 15 minutes, really. It's, it's We connect with a bunch of the apps you use to run your business today. So, uh, you know, Powder Keg, I'm assuming, is connected to Google Analytics. We can pull in Google Analytics data. We can pull in Salesforce data or HubSpot data if you're using that to run a sales organization. Or Stripe data if you're processing, you know, payments for, from e-commerce platforms. So, uh, we, we, our goal is to make it dead simple to get all of that data into one place. So, we continue to build connectors to, uh, you know, next generation and, and, and the best-in-class uh, SaaS apps are using to run your business, and then we really want to be agnostic in terms of how you tell the story of that data. So, how you distribute it to your team or to your investors. So, being able to embed a, a beautiful-looking report directly in email, um, but maybe some people want a PDF, or your team lives in Slack. So, we just enable the Slack integration where I can send all of that directly to Slack and have a conversation in a Slack channel. Uh, or maybe I want to query that through. Um, voice and and have something read to me about uh, maybe a particular KPI. So we want to be agnostic in terms of being dead simple to to get data in and then giving you really simple but uh, powerful tools to to visualize that data and and send it out. I think one of the things that Ari said that Visible really does a great job at is, can I see a trend of a a particular metric? And then can I see where we were to budget or plan? Because I think that's really important. Oh, we grew uh, revenue 30% this month over last. That's great. What were you supposed to do? Was it supposed to be 20 or was it supposed to be 50? Yeah. So I think that's really important too. It's like, here we are to plan. And if you're not hitting the plan, how do you adjust accordingly to make sure that uh, you will going forward? So those are all things that I think are, are super important. Um, but that kind of was a tangent of your question. It's like, yeah, you can get going, and it's, it's not common to, or it's, it's not uncommon to see companies. Signing up and buying Visible in, in a day because they get that much value um, that quickly.
1: That's awesome, man. And, and w- I imagine, as with any piece of software, a lot of people have used it in unique ways that maybe you didn't originally intend them to use it. Um, yeah. what, what are some of the more unique applications that you've seen of, of using Visible data? This kind of company metric reporting.
2: Yeah, uh, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of great ones. Um, we have, uh, they're not a customer. Uh, they were using kind of our initial integration, but it was just unique in the sense that it was a church in New Zealand reporting data uh, to their congregation and to members of, of, wow. the, of the church, which is kind of interesting. So we have like a really tight integration with Zero, which is very similar to QuickBooks. They were started in Australia, New Zealand, which is probably how they found out about us. Yep. Uh, but that was uh, a pretty interesting way. Uh, we just had another company sign up called uh, Skyrunner, and they make this kind of crazy off-road vehicle that has a, um, uh, a wing attached to it, kind of like a parasail. So not only can it drive on dirt, but it can, like, take off and fly.
1: That's cool. Uh,
2: so and, and they're using that in a, in a cool fundraising way and want to be more professional, like a, a 10Q or uh, something of a publicly traded company might produce. Uh, so there, there's companies like that that are signing up. But it, it's fun to see how people sign up and, and adopt it. Another way that we're starting to see people use it is for like client reporting. So I'm a big uh, enterprise company and I have really important customers and I want to give uh, some insight in terms of how we're interacting with them and and do a business review of your business with us. Uh, Can I produce a nice looking report that I can send back to you and we can have a conversation around it. So uh, we're seeing really cool ways that uh, people are adopting it and and picking it up and and using the tool.
1: That's awesome, man. Well, I hope we can add some really cool... uh cool use cases as we adopt it here over the next, uh, month or so, yeah. um, getting it implemented at powder keg, uh, before we sign off here, uh, where can people find you, Mike, um, you know, on social media or otherwise, uh, to yep. learn more about visible.
2: Yeah. So visible, our domain is visible.bc. Uh, I'm probably most active on Twitter, uh, and it's just at Mike Bruce, P R E U S S. Um, But those are kind of the the two that take up most of my day. Awesome,
1: man. Well, hopefully people will hit you up there. We'll link it up for those of you that are watching or listening on uh, Facebook Live. uh, So you can find Mike uh, and visible VC, dot VC, sorry. Um, Mike mentioned a few people, uh, previously, uh, Christian Anderson was actually our first episode in season one of power igniting startup. So if you're interested in learning more about Christian and high alpha of which visible as a portfolio company, uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, Chris Hively also at tech stars, uh, would be another good episode from season one to listen to. Uh, but, uh, until then. Uh, dive in, take some of this actionable uh, advice from both Mike and Ari today and implement it in your business. Drop a comment below of what you learned or what you liked the most. uh, Or if you have a question for either of them, because we'll share this link uh, directly with them and and maybe get you an answer. Thanks so much for tuning in. And thank you, Mike, for being here. Really appreciate you coming on a powder keg. It was a blast. Absolutely, man. All right. See ya. Bye. That's all for today's episode. We had a great chat with Ari Newman from Techstars, who you can follow on Twitter at, at Ari Newman. Likewise, huge thanks to Mike Proust of Visible. You can give him a follow at, at Mike Proust on Twitter. And make sure you check out Visible at visible.vc. Again, that's visible.vc. Uh, we use this software ourselves, highly recommend. To get links to the resources and people mentioned in this episode, as well as more stories on entrepreneurs, leaders, and professionals building companies outside of Silicon Valley, subscribe to us on iTunes at powderkeg.com forward slash iTunes. You'll want to subscribe because we have some really great guests coming up in season two, which officially starts with our very next episode. We're going to be talking about fundraising in the Midwest as well as outside the coasts, so don't miss it. Thanks for listening to this special in between episode. You'll be hearing from us again soon on Powder Keg Igniting Startups.